If you would like to learn web development or just brush up on your coding skills, then go check out howtocodewell.net because this has all of my coding courses and we've covered things like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, Python, Linux, Docker, and more. I'm also the author of Docker in Motion from Manning Publications and Python Clean Coding as well as Python Microservices from Pact Publications. Before I do start today's show, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of the Patreon supporters who have allowed me to create this kind of content. Thank you ever so much, and if you would like to become a supporter of the channel, please go to patreon.com forward slash howtocodewell. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, coders, and welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. Today, we're going to be taking another look into Agile. We're going to go into a deeper dive. I am joined once again by a good friend of mine, Chris Ginn. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Have you had a good week? Hello, everyone. I've had a great week. Um, I've been enjoying the sunshine that we've been having here in the UK. I've been making sure I've uh, been getting myself to the gym. And I have been doing some reading into Agile myself, stuff to actually study up on. Nice, nice. So you were on the episode uh, last time, episode 78, and we were talking about your your background, your development journey. Um, Chris, you were a senior uh, DBA, now you're an Agile delivery lead, and we're going to be taking a look at Agile in a deeper view. So the first thing I'm going to ask is, can you talk me through a typical Agile process from start to finish? Right. So what we're sort of targeting here is a transformation of a business. So um, let's imagine we as developers or infrastructure type people, technical mm. people in IT are working at a company um, or self-employed or freelance makes no, no difference because you still go for the same processes. So the company would decide to make a change to go from the old-fashioned style project management where they use MS Project and the waterfall delivery Mm -hmm. to Agile style. How you do that? Well, that's where the fun begins. So someone like me would come in and coach and say, okay, how would you like to do this? Um, What are your goals? And then probably explain to them that this is going to take about a year. Okay. You know, it, it maybe even 18 months. Right. So I would come in and start off by saying, right, which project are you going to do first? And have we got buy-in from senior management? Okay. So you, you can do it again for small teams. This works just as well. I mentioned on the last one, and we'll touch on the difference between Kanban and Scrum. We'll sort of, I'll, I'll try and pick pick them apart as we go through. So mm-hmm. Kanban mm-hmm. is much smaller and easier to implement, but I'm going to probably describe more Scrum in detail. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So what I would do. So Agile is essentially mainly based on the ceremonies. You have four, there's more than four, but there's four main ceremonies that developers or IT guys would be on. You would have your sprint planning, you have your daily stand-up, which is your 15-minute scrum call, you would have a sprint review or iteration review, so how did your work go during this sprint, and then you'd have your retrospective. The elephant in the room there that's not ever mentioned is the backlog refinement. So they're, they're they're, they're, they're your ceremonies, and I will break those down 
Yeah, please do. What goes on in them now? So I'm going to start with a stand-up because that's the easiest one that everyone knows. So daily stand-up is when you have no more than a 15-minute call at the start of the day to say, are you okay? What are you doing today? Do you have any blockers? Mm -hmm. If they don't have any blockers, great. Off the person goes to do whatever they need to do on that day. Everyone's agreed. Everyone's happy. If there's any blockers, that person would then um, get on a, a separate phone call with the scrum master or another person of that sort of ilk or nature to say, okay, I've got this blocker. Can you help remedy it to get, get you going? The example I gave last time, which is probably the easiest one for a developer, yeah. is you ain't some code. You, know, gotcha. you, gotcha. you need to do a code review. Um, you need that code before you can do the code review. So something, something that is preventing like that. you that developer from actually finishing that task correct correct right yeah cool yeah cool so that, that's the stand-up that's, that, that's that's that one out of the way uh sprint planning so that is where you would have agreed with the product owner what work is to be done in that sprint mm -hmm. so a sprint is generally a two-week period of time. Again, it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. during the transformation in the business. This is all the stuff that you discuss, right? How long do you want your sprints to be? How many people are you have you got in the team? Okay. Um, what does and, and then you'd also talk to the product owner and say, okay, what do we what are we actually starting on? What work are we going to give this development team to do first? Gotcha. So during sprint planning, we we'd go through and we'd say, okay, we have these user stories in our backlog. Um, they've been ordered in a fashion that um, the business decides that the business decides and the developers also decide the order that these user stories get worked on. Okay. It's, it's a discussion from both sides of the fence. It's not a matter in the, from the old waterfall style, the project manager would throw the work at the developer and say, you're doing this, but there is it's a two way street. You can definitely discuss. Yes, that works important, but I've also got this other work that is also important to the business. And that sort of touches on some phrases that you might have heard like technical debt. Technical debt, I think we'll come back to yeah, and yeah. discuss in deep in yeah. a little bit because otherwise we'll end up off on a tangent. So, 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 that's when, so sorry, at, at, at this stage, you're sort of finding the shape of these tasks and seeing uh, their priorities against other tasks. Is that is that correct? That's what would sort of happen in a sprint, pl in a sprint planning. So yeah. a user story, and, and we'll break apart in a second what goes into a user story itself. So okay. during sprint planning, you will say, I'm going to work on these user stories yeah. during this sprint, yeah. and those user stories have the tasks. But right. we'll, we'll come into that in a second. Okay. So let me just carry on with the um, ever ceremony yeah, just sure. to get them out of the sure. way. Sprint review is what it says on the tin, really. At the end of the two-week sprint, you either successfully did all the user stories or something happened, something went wrong, and they never got finished for many a good reason. And then finally, you've got the retrospective. And the retrospective is what I would consider the most important of the Agile ceremonies. So it's also the one that gets skipped the most. Yeah, I can't say I've heard of this one. Go for it. So this <laughs> this is the one that's best for all development people and techies like myself. This is the one where you do your continuous improvement in your team yourself. So you can say during, and again, this is also key whilst you're doing a business transformation. So uh -huh. you've gone through sprint one, maybe sprint two, um, and you've said, this has gone well, this has gone bad, we can do this better, I'd like to do this next time. 
and generally you'd go through and you'd have a conversation. Again, it's always one of those ones you can do remote, but a retrospective is really best done in person when you've got everyone around the table to agree, disagree, and, and, and just especially for the first few. So this is where then you decide that, okay, I'd like to do this piece of work. Mm. You would then add that work to the backlog. So anything extra that you want to do, this is where you get it added to your work backlog. Ah, right. So this is like a debrief. So you're debriefing after the, the tasks are done. And then if there's any more tasks from that, you would put that in the backlog. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yes. But that could also be done in the sprint review if there's issues with um, the user story. But generally, I find I, <clears throat> I get more out of that in a retrospective. Okay. 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 So, so then just, sorry, Pete. Go, 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 go for it. Go for it. The, the, the last one, I just wanted to quickly yeah, touch yeah. on back, backlog refinement. So, no, what, once you've got user stories in there, so originally a user story will be created and it's a conversation between people in agile terms. It doesn't sound very, very good. So we'll, we'll put this into English. Uh-huh. So essentially a user story is, it, again, it's a piece of work. But when it's originally created, um, it's essentially blank. You've got a, you should have in it, in a true agile fashion, as a whoever you are, I want to do a piece of work so that we can improve the development or improve the code of this piece of software. Okay. So you should always have a user story in its basic, most basic form should be readable by anyone, whether it be technical, managerial. Anybody should be able to just look at the title and think, ah, this is doing this, and it should be that simple. Right. But what's key in the backlog refinement is when this blank user story, you can't, as a developer, a technical person, you can't just be expected to work on this user story without it being refined. So this is where you add the tasks so that you know to do whatever coding that you're doing at the moment in detail so that you know exactly what it is that's required mm-hmm. that's when you do a backlog refinement some wow. it can be done in sprint planning but you could have three or four people sat around a table that have nothing to do with this user story so sometimes yes it's worth doing something sprint planning if you need all the guys in that team to say okay this user story is going to be split across the whole team gotcha. but generally a lot of the user stories as you want to break them down into smaller chunks so that's only you know to, to fit them into sprints and stuff one person's going to work on them mm-hmm. at, the, at the start as a scrum master you're coaching so I would generally sit down and do one-to-ones with the people and do backlog refinements with them. After a while, most people can just like, yeah, okay, I know what I'm doing with this user story um, and refine it out and add the tasks themselves. So that does a cool. user story span across multiple sprints? Can it span across it multiple sprints? It can. That's generally what, in, in, in some agile terms, that's referred to as epic. So a, a big right. user story that goes across multiple sprints can be defined as an epic. Depending okay. on how you operate and how you've defend, decided to operate through your agile journey as you transform, you may or may not do that. It, it, there's no right and wrong answer. There's how you use the agile terms to make uh, and processes to make your business agile. Good. Generally, what I've done is... It's easier for people that are refining their user stories to just sit in the user story and think, right, what have I got to do this? And you just let them go through and, and add, just task it out themselves. Mm-hmm. And if it works, 
you know, if, if, if once they've worked it out, it's more than what you can fit into a two-week sprint, mm. then you can split it or you can decide to just say, okay, this person's working on this user story, but it won't be delivered until the, the following sprint. Right. So you could push it forward. It, it just depends how you want to work. And I've, I've generally found there's no right and wrong way. It's what works for the team. Yeah, and that—I that, think that's what I've always liked about agile. It's about you making the team work in the most efficient manner that you can. Because, as a developer, there's a lot of tasks that uh, I've done where the, the task has has kind of grown away from its origin, as in it's because of the things that we've discovered. Maybe there was stuff that um, we we just weren't aware of. Um, and when we actually got into the nitty gritty stuff of it, um, you know, halfway through three quarters of the way through the sprint, we've discovered that actually this spawns off another piece of work. How would you, how would you cope with, with that use case? So there's, there's, there's two answers to this. So if you've discovered this mid flight, which, you know, this, this happens all the time, this is normal, you can create an additional user story to say, okay, um, we need to do this extra piece of work. We can't fit it in to this sprint. We can fit it into the next. And you complete as much of the tasks in that user story in the sprint that you can. And again, then you can split the user story into the following sprint. Or there's also something called a spike. You can have a user story that's called a spike. And what that is, is a research task. So that you know that you've got this piece of work coming and you're not sure. Just like this, you've gone off on yeah. a tangent thinking, okay, I'm not sure what to do this. I need to research, do some Googling, do some practice, do some reading up. That's a spike. And then that would try and alleviate some of that, oh, I've got so far and this isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a typical example of something that I've dealt with um, fairly recently. It's like, you know, that suddenly uh, there's a dependency that you're not actually uh, in charge of. And you realize that you need to upgrade this dependency. And then you look at the other things that that dependency uh, does. And you're like, oh dear, this is now going to cause a, a bit a bit of an, an effect with the other things, but I don't know how much. And so you've only got, I don't know, say half a day left on this task, um, estim- you know, your estimated time. But you need to then research all the... Um, impending chain or the possible impact that that uh, upgrade could 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 have um that sounds very much like a spike to so, me. That's so a if spike. i was scrum yeah. mastering this for you i would say yeah we need to do that as a spike you mm. go off and do the research task say okay we need to look into this go you go away do your homework and then come back and say okay we're, this is going to take x amount of time right yeah because um because now the upgrade, say, if it was a package of PHP, for instance, um, it's affected other things that I'm not actually working on. The origin of this task has changed. It's now a research. I'm researching the impact, seeing if there's any tests involved uh, or and, and, you know, seeing if if we can actually upgrade and the other dependencies that hang off of that dependency. You know, if you're doing this all in one small little task, 
and you're having to put all of this stuff in. Yeah, yeah, it's it just gets so the other thing you could do. So maybe if if we were a bit more mature and we'd been working agile for a little bit longer, what you could also probably do is block the user story that you're working on, saying this is now blocked because we need to do the research task. Uh-huh. You create an additional user story to do the research task, and you'd set a dependency between the two. Uh-huh. So once you've done your research task, it's like right now this other one it will be unblocked and work can continue. I see. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I've always thought that, um, and this is just my naivety, that when when you block something, it's a bad thing. But actually, no, not, from no, what you've just said, always. you're 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 defining a path to the next task. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Brilliant. Okay. So um, so we've talked about what a, 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 the the user story is. What are the things that um define when a user story or a task i guess um is acceptable that's a very good question so this is skirting around the definition of ready again okay which we're going back to our agile transformation journey yeah the this is when all of the team must really come together and work work as an, a team and an extended team with the rest of the business yep so you there are certain bits there's in all of the the packages and again you don't need to use a a package whether it's jira rally it makes no difference you can do a kanban board with post-it notes how you do this doesn't always matter but i'm I'm gonna do it how i would do it so a user story would have acceptance criteria generally and Mm -hmm. what they generally are is your technical architect or someone of that ilk has said, I need you to develop something. I need it to do these things. And once it does those things, they are my acceptance criteria. They should be understandable enough for the developer to follow it. If not, um, that's when the Scrum Master would organize a call between the the developer in question and the architect or who, whoever to say, okay, we don't quite understand what you're trying to get us to do. Can you explain what you want? So, so that would be one part of the definition of ready to say, okay, to do this, it's this thing. Um, you would have it all tasked out. Uh-huh. Yeah. So all of your tasks to, to do these acceptance criteria, I need to do these tasks. And it might not necessarily just be you. It could be numerous developers, other technical people on the user story to gotcha. say, okay, we need all of these people. But again, they should be aware. And that goes back a little bit to the back, a backlog refinement session because you would then, again, the Scrum Master would organize a call between all of the, the relevant parties to say, okay, we're refining this user story. We need your technical input. Gotcha. Generally, those calls. Well, again, once you're once you're familiar with what's going on, yeah. you can normally done easily within an hour. As you're getting used to the process and everyone's getting used to it, it can go on a little bit. This is why it takes time to change because everyone has to come together, and it, it's a change of mindset. Yeah, it, I, it sounds like a chain. It's like an education piece across yes. the across the team, um, and I guess you need to have multiple buy-ins and stuff from from the team. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I've come from a background of waterfall, um, sort of big bang releases, sort of throw it over the fence kind of, uh, deals. I mean, everything was fine, you know, uh, everything was good, good and tested, but, um, I guess m- most of the stuff now I'm doing is more called agile. 
Um, you know, you have your tasks, you have your sprints, you have your stand-ups, that kind of that kind of jazz. I haven't though heard of refinements uh, or, or or burn down. That's a, that's another concept that I haven't really sort of delved into. So, what 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 would you say a burn down is? If you've got all of right. these tasks that are being completed or worked on, what what is what is the burn down? So this sort of skirts with definition of ready as well. So okay. you're, I mean, def, yeah, definition of ready. So you would, one of the other fields that you would fill in generally in JIRA, because most people use JIRA, so we'll carry on. Um, you would have your story points. And yeah. um, we, we touched on this briefly in the last one. A story point is a Fibonacci number on, a, and it's an estimate of complexity of the user story on how long you think it would take. Gotcha. Okay. So that's the magic number for burn down. Right. So this is this is you, the burn down report, uh, which you generally have at the end of a sprint, is how many user stories have been completed in that sprint. So you, oh. you can see de- essentially developer performance. So the developer will have okay. his velocity. Oh, his, yeah, I'm sure it's velocity, uh-huh. where you will say, okay. Uh, on average, this developer manages to do this this amount of work. So, so it's just for so instead, of, if you don't ha- use those figures, you know, so many people are like, yeah, I've done twenty user stories this sprint, but they could have all been one pointers where one person could have done one that's you know nine ten. You, you know, it, it, whichever number you want to use, I and mean, you should use Fibonacci. Yeah. But again, whilst you're getting used to it, it doesn't. Some things don't matter. You should do it properly from day one, but just it's guiding people. That it's just makes like, a lot of sense. What do you think sense. the number should be? Yeah, so it's like um, a, a mark of the complexity of the task. So if someone Correct. was to do lots of tasks that were incredibly simple, but if one person was to do one task that was incredibly difficult, then um, yeah, you, you, you're kind of uh, leveling out that playing field. Um, hmm. Uh, how uh, can, can can we just delve into the? I know we talked about story points before, but could we just sort of delve into it a little bit more as to how do you, def- how do you, how do you work out the complexity of a task? So it's not the task, it's the user story Sorry. itself. Ta- user, task yeah. estimation is something for the developer and the technical person to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that's literally hours. So right. during, you know, whilst you're doing your refinement, you'd say, okay, I know this task is going to take me four hours. This task is going to take me eight hours. But your story point um, is, like I said, it's it's an estimate. So the user story has been created as a conversation. Someone, whether it's the scrum master, the product owner, may have just put a guesstimate of, I think this is going to be a 12-pointer, which is a large one, right. or this is going to be a one-pointer, it's a small one. Uh-huh. But again, during your refinement, once you're sat with the technical person, you're like, we've estimated this to be a small one. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then that will you you could you change it, right? Okay, okay, fair enough. So these these burn down charts where you you see the graphs go up and down and, and stuff is that is that per developer? It can be. So it's how many story points completed per sprint. You can you can you can look per developer, um, or you can look at the look at a project level or oh, a, right. a, a yeah project level. And the velocity is the is is the mark of how well that developer is doing. Is that right? No, it, I think it, it more, I've used it to know that 
roughly that you'll see how many user stories are being completed per sprint and it just gives you a feel of you think that during this sprint we're going to get these amount of user stories out gotcha gotcha it's a sense check yeah excellent okay cool okay um so that's that's the burn down and the and the velocity so this is so if we were to talk about how like you're you're kind of mid sprint right and you're You've got all of these tasks going and one task, for instance, has taken you longer than, than you've estimated because you estimate like me and it's really, really bad. And we'll get onto that in, in, later on. Um, and you've got a whole load of other tasks left and you know, sort of you're on a Wednesday and you've got days and weeks, you know, well, not weeks, but you've got more days left to do than you have days left. <laughs> How do you deal with that? You just flag it. So again, right. this should come up in your scrum calls. Uh-huh. So you would know whether this happened on a, the Wednesday. Like, oh no, there's no way I'm going to finish this. On your Thursday morning scrum call, you should say, "I've had this problem, or right. this has gone wrong, and it set me right back." So you just, you, and then you discuss it there. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and then this is going to put the these other tasks in jeopardy. Yes. Right. So then, then it's for, then it's for you and the scrum master to have that conversation. Then the scrum master can go away to the business and say, "Okay, during this sprint, it's looking like we're not going to achieve this." Then maybe it's then it's a business call further up the chain of like, "Are we going to find some more developers to do it? Uh-huh. Is this going to be an issue? You know, we're going to be a week late. We're going to be two weeks late, and, and you might be able to catch it up during the release. It it just it depends, but it, it's a conversation that isn't for the developer to worry about at that stage. You know you're not going to be forced to work a 60 hour week just to catch up, <laughs> uh, unless you want to <laughs> you know me too well um <laughs> okay okay so you, you mentioned ready and done can you can you define those a little bit more as to what they mean so ready yeah so we, we we've skirted with ready where essentially this is where we as the team feel confident in that user story is to be worked on and in state. So there's states of a user story. Yeah. It starts as grooming. A definition of ready is when it's moved to the defined state in the backlog. So we know that that user story is ready to be worked on. That That's the end of ready. Right. Done is a completely different kettle of fish. Okay. Before, so, you, before you get on to done, you mentioned grooming. What, what does that mean? So that's so of the statuses, that uh-huh. is the first status of a user story. Essentially, it's been created okay. and it's ready for you to start manipulating it so that you feel confident to work on that user story. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, so so let's go on to done. What's uh, what does that mean? That yeah, that that, <laughs> that <laughs> it depends. So again, agile journey. Um, I would say done is it's gone through QA. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's happy with it. There are there may be defects in production. You know they might be worked on in another user story to come into another sprint. But it's essentially out in production and it's oper- operational and everyone's happy with it. That's essentially done. Right. But again, you, you define that as you as you go because you might change you know that other people in the business might want to influence what actually done means so so you've got two statuses for done really you've got 
completed, which is I, Mr. Developer, have done all my coding on it and I'm happy that it's completed. QA might not like that so much. Again, it depends on whether you've got QA using your system like Jira. You know, you might still have it as in progress whilst it's going through QA, depending on how you want to play it. Mm-hmm. But generally, completed means that me, Mr. Developer, I'm happy. Then it can move on to accepted where it's out in production, it's working, there are no issues. Who accepts that? That's a good question. So gen- generally, it should be the product owner, but it doesn't have to be. Scrum Master can do it if you don't have a product owner and they're at working in a product owner capacity. But generally, it's someone that's not the developer will move it to accepted. But again, small scale, you can. You can. It, it's all about your journey mm-hmm. through Agile and how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, can things... Uh, just thinking back onto the old, yes, old they days. Can, go backwards. can they go you backwards? Can go yeah. backwards. Can they... Oh, yes. Yeah. So you can go from completed back to grooming. Right. So if there's a massive issue, yeah. there's no reason why the developer could say, I've completed it. Yeah, but it, the, the whole premise of what this user story originally was is wrong. We might need to go back to grooming. Or you could leave the user stories completed and create a sub-user story off it and say, yeah, well, it didn't quite go to plan, and then create another one. But yeah, they, they can definitely go backwards. Yeah, just speaking from uh, experience, um, not not naming anything, but um, you know, you, you build something, uh, it can... We call it code complete. It's done. Run it locally. It's all good. You push it up to a staging or or another server that isn't that you don't have control over, and you run it and you break the system because you didn't realize that someone else was doing something else at the time, and now that needs to be altered and changed, and then you end up having to write a script to fix what the half baked stuff that you've just put through. Um, yeah. So if there was a way of pedaling back and just going, ah, I've just blown the system up. I need to actually deal with that before I then can run the script again or something. It, it might not be a script. Again, it goes back to, it, it all depends on how we operate or you operate in the team. So right. if you're pushing to staging, I would still say that the user store is in progress and you're doing your QA and unit testing. Ah, personally. right. Okay. It, just because it's code complete, I see. you would have one of your tasks in your user story would be, um, code X, Y, Z, then that task would be complete. Then your next task would be pushed to staging ah, and test. Right. So then that yeah. task, you know, so the user story would still be in progress. Your testing task would be in progress. Yeah. And that's when you'd know that you've blown staging up. That's a really good idea. You basically add another step. Yes, correct. But again, this is where, yeah. this is all about the agile journey and your agile coach saying, okay, I've been through this process so many, so many times mm. that it's like, right, I think this works best. Mm-hmm. The developers say, yeah, but this usually works best for us. So you have a go. And that's the, that's the whole continuous improvement mm. and the, the, the joys of the retrospective to say, okay, during this, you know, this sprint we're going to operate in this fashion at the end of the sprint it's like no that was utter rubbish we'll do it the other way you do it the other way and then it works fine but that that that's the whole agile process working for your continuous improvement why do you think because you you mentioned earlier that uh, the retrospectives are the things that get um, pinched why, why do you think that is time right. purely time right you know you're being pushed to deliver the next greatest feature user story they want this piece of code as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's just like QA always gets squeezed. In Agile, retrospectives generally get squeezed. Same reasoning. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I, I guess it's the things at the uh, the the end that get squished, and people want to ch- move straight onto the next sprint, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that's for us all to then push back. You know, it's for everyone in the team, not just the scrum master, to say, look, we've not had a retrospective in a while. We think it's important, and then it's 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 all it's also why it's important to have buy-in from. Uh, managerial people outside of your area to say, look, you, you're pushing us to do this, mm. but this agile journey isn't just for your development or IT team. It's for the whole business mm. to get on board with. And that's why it's key. Do you, do you think it's for the developers as well to ensure that that, that is, that's been done? Yes, that's what helped. The, yeah. That's what helps the Scrum Master. The, it's, you, you, the, the whole point about a Scrum Master is, is it's a servant leader. They're not your boss. Yeah, generally in teams it, it can happen, mm. but generally in true agile, the Scrum Master does not have staff. They're mm. there as a servant leader to make sure that the devs that's working with them are working as efficiently as possible. Mm. So it's in their interest to say, uh, "I'm not happy with this. Can we fix this in the next retro, please?" Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. That's opened my eyes a lot. Um, let's talk about something that, um, that I struggle with, and that is time, estimating of the time. How do I do it? <laughs> it's hard. No, estimation is one of those. So every IT person on this planet that I've ever met underestimates their time. I've not met one yet that's yeah. any good. That you know, so Some people like to pull the wool over people's eyes, but generally every honest person's like, right, this piece of coding is going to take me a day. Mm. We all know that that is literally a day of them sat in front of the keyboard bashing away. There's no, they, they never think about, right, I've got to add that to the wiki. I've got to write this documentation. I've got to push it up to gear. I've got to do a code review. They always forget about those things. Everyone always thinks, right, how long is it going to take me to do this? And never forget about the additional things to go with it. It's, again, it's all part of the agile journey. So, the, again, I've done this with loads of technical people. Mm-hmm. I'll say to them, right, how long do you think it is? Four hours. Put two on. Just, just yeah. have you thought about the wiki? Have you thought about No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Add an extra two. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's where the Scrum Master is there to help the developer or the technical person. So, I mean, I've heard stories of, of people of the, um, of the not, not necessarily the, the, the Scrum Master or the project owner or, or whoever, but someone who has control over the estimates. I've heard of stories um, where the the person in charge times is that or multiplies that by an arbitrary number, um, and uh, I, is, I wouldn't it, like this. So there's that, a, there's a great learning process here where that would really fall foul. Right. So what you should do in your sprint review as well is when you finished your task, you would have had an estimate right. that it took, it, it took, you know, you estimated that I'm going to take four hours to do this. When you actually complete the task, you'd write down, actually, that took me eight. So right. as you start to do your reviews and doing the same piece of work again, you get visibility in the system to say, actually, you keep estimating that it's four hours and it's not, it's closer to six or seven. Mm-hmm. So you learn by keep go iterating through the process. Okay, so the first task that you do could be really badly estimated, but the right. last task would you would like to think that because of the retrospectives, because of all the the reviews and stuff, you've been able to. And I guess as a developer, you understand the code more, right? Yes. Um, so, but 
this is more like a repeatable process. Yeah. So it, it's hard to estimate something where if you're picking up someone's code that's not been touched in 10 years and you're like, right, I need to try and fix this. You, you, how can you estimate that? I was like, well, well, I have to pick through it. That's probably a day's work. Then I've got to find out why it's failing. That could be another half a day's work. Then, right then it's like okay now to fit actually code and fix this it's another day's work it's very hard to estimate yeah it is it is i mean i i i've also heard of the three-day rule it's like you know one day to build one day to to to, to test one day to fix yeah. <laughs> um so i guess i guess the way of getting better is to keep review of of how you're doing yeah. um and I guess the only person who can do that is the dev, right? It's a, it's a combination. It, the, you, you, but once you're agile, truly agile, uh-huh. you've got the, the power of the tools yourself. Your right. Scrum Master's there to help guide you to say, yeah, you, you look here, you can do this. Have you tried looking here to this? But it, it's for you to learn and review. Okay. Of like, uh, I know, you know, like I said, estimating's hard. Yeah. And I think that is the best way to do it, is just to look at, Look through the system yourself. Last time I tried to do this, you can generally search them, keyword search, user story search. So the search is very good. Right, last time I did this, I estimated it was four, and actually it took me 12. So you, you, can, you can search for it yourself. Right. Uh, usually what I find is that uh, I, I will estimate things in the perfect world. You know, if everything is yeah. working fine, if, if, if there's no issues, you know, if I've got all the things that I need, because uh, that's another thing, you know. Oh yeah. Um, no tools. If, if the if the if the client doesn't give you the the necessary bits and pieces uh, in time, um, and then and then like you you do an estimate, and then you completely forget about the estimate, and you're like day two, and you should have finished it by now, and you're still, you know, not not very well into it so or you're waiting upon something so i guess it's a case of constantly having to reflect on the estimate as you're actually working i guess yeah i wouldn't generally have an estimate changed mid-flight because you 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 do that in your retrospective you do that in your sprint review okay you put in your actual time yeah it's just a learning process but i think for you I would say never live in the ideal world. Always give yourself maybe a 30% buffer. So again, we're just starting with arbitrary numbers here to just try and help people estimate. So ideal world number, eight hours, pop four on. Right. You know, you can guarantee that you're never going to get it done in eight hours. And if you did estimate at 12 and you got it done in four, then good for you. It still works the other way around. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I... The thing I know, I know some devs who do it really well. They 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 just do it, um, and I, uh, I it does sometimes. You do feel like you're uh, some some in some situations. You you do get the imposter syndrome, sort of like, oh, this is done. You know, I've I've said it's going to be done, and it's not. So obviously, I'm not good enough for that time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I guess, like I said, one of the biggest ones is when when you you've been told such and such is ready and it hasn't been ready or, you know, you, the task has been created in such a sort of a, an open way that uh, you, you yourself have to do a bit of research and discovery during the task. And then you, you unearth all sorts of manner of complexities. Um, I would hope in that instance that that's fed back again in the retrospective to say, so-and-so created this task on my behalf. 
when I went to pick it up, I was not at the backlog refinement. And when I went to look at it, it was not real. It was, you know, they were living in cuckoo land. It's it's for you to, to feed that back. Yeah. So I, I would say personally, yeah. if, again, especially in the early days during your transformation, if you have a task in a user story, you must attend the backlog refinement session to say, yeah, I agree with those figures or no, that's not the case. I think we need to do this research as well. Mm -hmm. It it, it all depends where you are. Like I said, at the very, very start, Mm. everyone must always be on it. But of course, in the real world, that doesn't always happen because people have time off. Fair enough. Yeah. And then the worst still needs to go. But yeah, Yeah. it shouldn't happen as you start to mature in your agile process. I would be surprised if that came up. Well, that's a legitimate thing, isn't it? If, if, if someone not on your team, but a, someone who's sending you bits and pieces goes on holiday and you're not aware of that um, for some reason, then um, there sickness happens. Yeah. Or sickness. Yeah, exactly. Sickness happens. Um, yeah. You can't predict that. Um, but I guess you have to, you obviously have to plan for it. Um, okay. So you mentioned about the transformation. I just want to pick that up a bit because I was just thinking, if someone's doing the old waterfall stuff and you're, you've gone in to do the transformation, does this mean that some of their projects are going to be waterfall and some of their projects are going to be agile for a period of time? Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So generally the old school product uh, project manager, their plans in um, project go away as those different projects either complete in the waterfall fashion and new projects come through agile fashion right so there is definitely a case so during the transformation there is a good possibility that within the business some will be going through waterfall and some will be going agile okay okay and how how do you deal with that i mean what 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 do you do do you look at all of their projects and go you should be doing this one first or do you or are you led by them based on perhaps their priorities and the how critical things are you'd be led by the business it's a business call with the product owner and um, slt and whoever else in the business and also sometimes customers you know we want this project tomorrow okay, that's probably not the best one to do as your first project in Agile because you've already got your project managers operating within the business and know, you know, know the ins and outs of the business. Your mm-hmm. first Agile project should be something fairly easy. No, it doesn't have to be, but just because this is a learning process, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, yeah. You, you, it's not just delivering the code. It's the guys on the team getting used to operating in that fashion. I see. Okay. Okay. So th- this brings me nicely on to... Um the challenges that you face as a, as an agile delivery lead, what, what would they be? It's generally most people I find when we've gone through the transformation, they've been brilliant. They're like, why are we doing this? You, you sing its praise and say, we, all I want to do is make the work that you do more visible to the business. Mm-hmm. Cause again, a lot of the time, a lot of guys, it's this crazy ad hoc nuts world that most IT people <laughs> live in where they get, 
emailed work. They get people come up to their desk and say, can you do this for me? And you get your project manager saying, I wanted you to do this. Why haven't you done this? And it's like, well, I've already been pulled left, right and center. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is if all of that work is recorded as a user story or task out, or it doesn't matter you know, how granular you want to take it, because some stuff small and be a task, some stuff bigger be a user story. That person's work is visible to the business. And that's how I've always sold it. Right. Say, look, a lot of this, um, can you do this work for me tomorrow? I was like, well, no, I'm already involved in this work and you can't have it. Mm. So it stops that. These secret squirrel side missions that you you put me on. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, You could tell I'm a code monkey, can't you? Uh, (laughs) The the most difficult challenge is some people don't like change. You know, for the That's vast majority true. of people relish this. They see they see the benefits quickly. Yeah, yeah. But there are still some old sticklers yeah. that have worked in this fashion forever. Right. They 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 don't like change. There are a few. Right. Yeah. I guess because um, they've they've already seen something that kind of works, as in they they've they're used to it. That's what they're they're, they're comfortable with. Um, they know the workarounds around it. Um, they know when you can probably sort of um, do less work, do more work when crunch time is, when crunch time isn't, that kind of stuff. And this kind of shakes that tree and changes it all into into these, you know, boiled down specific user stories. Um, yeah, I guess there would be a, an element of apprehension um, amongst some people. So how, how can, how can uh, the team better support you as an Agile uh, delivery lead? Be open and honest. When things go well, say these things went well. Mm-hmm. When these things went bad, these things went bad. And you fix the things that go bad. You know, things yeah, go yeah. great, excellent. You know, you always report back, these things are working great. These things aren't going so well. So we'll, we'll focus on those. Let's improve them. Let's speed them up. Well, what can we do to fix that? Who do I need to speak to? You know, it, there's always a bit of guidance. So mm-hmm. generally, a lot of the time, a developer will know, this has gone wrong. I need to speak to that person. So the scrum master's there to say, okay, you need that person's time. Let me try and make that happen for you. Obviously it's not always possible, right. but you try and make things happen. It's just about being, it's, it's about communicating in your morning scrum call. I gotcha. think it's, it's the best thing. Gotcha. So don't stand in silence. Never uh, be silent. And skirt if things are going the- great, always say things are great. But if there's any niggles, always, yeah. always say. It's, it sounds like it's quite a, it's a human thing, isn't it? It's, it's quite a, you're reading people, you're, you're understanding. There's it. also a, a cultural thing as well. Some right. cultures are better at saying, yes, this is great. This is great. This is great. A lot of it, it's saying no is difficult. Right. Some yes. people struggle to say no. That's very true. Yeah. You know, can you just do this? And then the automatic answer is No, I can't. I'm currently doing X, Y, Z. And I don't currently have the capacity. Excellent. Come see me in a week or speak, go speak to that person, go speak to my scrum master or go speak to this person. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. So, um, is there, is there anything, I mean, we've, we've talked quite a lot into some of the specifics around agile, but I just wanted to double check. Is there anything that we're, we've, we've totally missed from the, from the process? Um, I don't think so. I think we, 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 I think we've touched on most things. Good. We, you know, there are, there's lots of other stuff, but for your average developer or technical person, this mm-hmm. is their everyday bread and butter, I think. I think most things that they would see 
in an agile operating environment or an agile transformation, I think we've touched on. Excellent. Oh, that sounds great. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, that was, it's fantastic speaking to you again, Chris. Um, being great to uh, talk about this and I've learned loads. I've learned tons. I didn't even, I had, I've got, I'm looking down my notes and I can see a bunch of words that I didn't know what they meant a few hours ago. <laughs> so I've learned loads. Um, before we go, uh, how can people get in touch? How can people hire you? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, just pop my profile on as you did before. Please, that'd be excellent. No and, uh, please get in touch. Cool. I'll put it in the show notes below and on the screen somewhere. So thank you ever so much, Chris. That was, that was great. And also thank you very much for listening on the podcasts and watching on the YouTubes. Happy coding, everybody. Take care. See you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, bye.